morning, I bring a greeting from my wife, Desma. She says, hi. And uh, we're actually on our way to one of our daughter's 30th birthday. And she's uh, getting in the car to stop. I've got to get a picture of this moment. Here we go. And uh, she uh, sends her love. We celebrated last year our 33rd anniversary. And I was actually away. It's pretty bad when a guy's away for his anniversary. Uh, but I'd arranged with one of our pastors, my, my friends in the church, and hope you see to deliver something to the veranda while I was gone on our wedding anniversary. And so he put these rocking chairs on the front veranda. When you're over 50, you're allowed to have rocking chairs. Come on. <laughs> she came home and she was sitting there every day waiting for me to come back. <laughs> wow. And so now we have uh, six grandkids, five kids and six grandkids, and the family grows every year, and uh, I love them so much. Uh, I want to encourage you to come tonight. Tonight I'm going to continue on the, uh, from the sermon this morning and do part two, we'll call it, uh, different topic, but part two as a continuation. And I really want to pray for people who have any kind of mental health issues, uh, anybody that suffers from depression or anxiety or any kind of disorder. I don't know if we've got oil. We can call the elders of the church tonight and anoint them with oil. We want to pray for everyone. Uh, and I've got, I've got something burning on my heart I want to share with you. So we're going to believe for miracles, but also going to give you some practical things that you can do, some small changes and tweaks you can make in your life that will actually help. Um, and uh, God wants us to be well. He really does. So Proverbs 25, uh, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I'm going to speak this morning about godly conversations. Tonight I'm going to speak about godly mindsets. And uh, we're all going to have conversations before the day finishes, yes? So this could be, it might not be, but it could be one of the most important sermons you hear this year. And uh, I encourage you to open your heart and listen and let the Spirit of God speak to you today. Number one, conversations that build up. A godly conversation always builds other people up. You know you can tear people down, but it's your choice today. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 4.29 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You see, conversations are not so much about us, the speaker, but about the listener, the one that's hearing what you're saying. The, the NIV version says like this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others up, according to what? According to their needs. This puts a whole different light on godly conversations, where it's not about what I need to say, but what are their needs according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I think by the grace of God today, we as believers and followers of Christ, we can have better godly conversations. Number two, I'm moving really quickly here. Conversations that produce life. You know, the Bible clearly says there's life and death in the tongue in Proverbs 18. So I can look at the Word of God this morning, remind you of these things. Proverbs 18, 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and the, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Then the very next verse says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm going, 
what, what's going on here? There's three verses in a row. What's, what's the context? You see, the first verse we mentioned here was about what we put into our mouth. And they say what you eat is what you are. And we're going to talk a bit more about that tonight. But, uh, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you will actually speak out of what you've been feeding your heart on. So what it's really saying is, what are you putting in? You'll be filled by what you put in. Then, then it says, understand you can choose death or life. It's in the power of the tongue. Uh, and then it says, the very next verse, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I say, guys, this morning, uh, choose life in your tongue. Speak life over your family. Speak life over your wife and over your relationships. There's so much power in your words. There's so much energy and spiritual activity released as you speak a word of life. And guys, also, what's your tone? Because sometimes we can actually say a word of life but with the wrong tone and it brings death. Ooh. So every single word counts and the tone of the word counts. Uh, James chapter 3 verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise their Lord our Father and we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs or a passion fruit vine bear oranges? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In other words, you can't have life and death in the same tongue. It's one or the other. Choose life. Come on, Gladstone. Choose life. If it's difficult times, speak life. You say, well, yes, just denying the facts. Well, the facts are the facts, but I choose to speak life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He is my provider, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory. My supplier of everything I need is as close to me as the air I breathe. I'm going to stop and become aware of you. Every, number three, every word counts. Every word. And the tone of that word, Matthew 12, 37. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Uh, the Message Bible, listen to the Message translation of that same verse. You have minds like a snake pit. Kind of a little bit of a slap in the head. How do you suppose that what you, what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight in the orchard. Talking about passion fruit vines. I get this marvelous passion fruit vine outside of our kitchen window. We put up a special trellis beside the fence for it to go crazy on. Well, I was spraying the weeds earlier this year and I also sprayed the passion fruit vine. It's not looking too healthy. I'm praying that it'll come back. I love passion fruit. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back and haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation or words can be your damnation. See, I ask you, what's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth in the last week or the last month or the last year? We're, we're a produce of those things. What about this? Truthful conversation. That's a good thought. What about 
our default point as believers, speaking the truth. Why, why is the default point for so many believers to tell a lie, to cover ourselves up, to preserve faith, to say, I've been in other nations where Christians completely think it's okay to tell a lie as long as you look good at the end of it. Well, what does the Bible say? Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. What about our default point just to be saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Or I forgot. Don't give a false excuse for being late. Just apologize and say I was disorganized and should have been here on time, I'm sorry. I'll try not to do it again. Like take responsibility, somebody. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. Anger, rage. We've said it before that... that when, when a person gets angry, they lose 25% of the, 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 their IQ. It drops by 25% because the blood leaves the brain and goes to your major muscles ready for action. And if the average IQ in Australia is somewhere between 97 and 100, we're down to 75, and 70 is the beginning of mental retardation. You are 5% from acting and speaking like a totally mental person by getting angry. Oh, our favorite scripture of believers is the Bible does say be angry and sin not, so it's okay. But you read all the rest of them. That's one verse out of dozens. The rest of them say, hey, kind of guys, I haven't met anyone who's been proud of what they said or did when they were angry. So sometimes we need to calm down before we have some of the conversations we have. What do you think? Put away some of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander. Come on, let's not slander other people. And filthy language from... Uh, when did it become okay to swear? I go all around our country and all around the world and I hear Christians swearing. When did that become okay? Can I say, it's not okay. In the English language, there is 1,029,808.8 words in the English language. Did you hear that? 1,029,808.8. Words in the English language. And we've got to stoop to four or five gutter words to describe how we're feeling? Come on. Get a better grasp. Learn some more adjectives. Is anyone in this church this morning? And, and I tell you, we can actually help each other. Don't, don't be nasty, but just encourage people not to swear. You don't have to rebuke them. Just say, hey, come on, we can talk. We can do better than that. We can, we've got some better words to use. Help each other out. It's okay. Put away filthy language from your lips. And then it says, do not lie to each other. That's kind of like pretty straightforward, right? Since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Matthew 5, 37 says, all you need to simply say is yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. One translation says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say you're going to have someone over for a barbecue, do it. Follow through. If you're going to help someone mow the yard or clean up or do something, let your yes be yes. Do it. Follow through. Number five, speak God's word. If you don't know what to say, let the word of God be in your mouth. But can I, can I bring a caution here? Don't use God's word against other people. Use it in your life. Use it for your circumstances. 
I was in a city in Australia recently, this year, where two pastors from different churches were having a war via text and email. And I, was, I know both the pastors, love them both, love the churches. I was caught up in the middle of this somehow, hearing, overhearing some of these things going on. And, and one pastor was actually quoting scripture that you know, the Lord had given him a special scripture for this other pastor. He says, by your fruit, you will be known. And I'm going, doesn't he know that's a double-edged sword? It actually makes him look worse. The very scriptures you use against other people will come back to you. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. But let the word of God be in your mouth for your circumstances. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Exodus 4.12. Now go. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. God's word. Let his word be in your mouth. Now, number six. This is where I really want to get to and come to this point here. Number six, crucial conversations. Everyone say crucial conversations. If you've lived a little while, you've had one or two of these. Uh, I was telling the leadership team last night that uh, last year alone I read about 30 books and I'm on the way to about doing the same this year. Other than the Word of God, other than the Bible, the most impacting book to my life last year was this one, Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. It's got four authors and... uh, it took 20 years to write. Think about this. Four authors, how many crucial conversations would they have had to have to actually pull this together? Christian authors that have put in 20 years of research to actually figure out how this thing works and according to the Word of God. And I started repenting as soon as I read this book for 50 years of not doing crucial conversations well. I got a text actually from someone in America the other day, uh, a young worship leader in America. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, She said, um, she's about 21 years of age. Uh, She said, uh, just started reading this book. Definitely a life changer for sure. Hope all is going well. Um, Picture of crucial conversations. And I said, I just said to her, I wish I'd heard that when I was 21. I wish I had absorbed this truth when I was 21. So can I just unpack a couple things here that have really spoken to my spirit, and I know it can set you free today if you put these into practice. So you ask, what is a crucial conversation? Thank you for asking that question. It's when casual interactions that we have daily can turn at any time, they can turn crucial. You know what I'm talking about. It's a conversation where opinions vary. An argument. (laughs) A conversation where stakes are high, a conversation where emotions run high, a conversation that is so important that the outcome affects the quality of your life. Anyone had one or two of these? When it matters most, we seem to be our worst when it comes to crucial conversations. It's a sad fact. When conversations turn from casual to crucial, we're usually not ready to handle it. Anybody here? You think about all the ones that have taken you by surprise. And how they've gone wrong and how they could have gone better. 
But you know what? Truth always sets you free. The truth of God's word can help us today. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell the whole church. No, that's not what it says. Tell all your other friends. No, it says, go and tell him or her. His fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother or a sister. Why is it? Again, I was in a church. I had these guys going around telling other, other guys about their wives that they hadn't had the conversation with their wives about. Come on. This should not be so. It goes on to say, if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Ouch. Get a counselor involved. Get a pastor. Get a leader involved to help you. And the next verse, I don't like this. I wish we could take this next one out, but it's here. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the whole church. If he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile, as a tax collector. Scientists say it. <clears throat> Your brain gets drunk on adrenaline when a crucial conversation takes you by surprise, and many times the outcome is not always good. We said before, when you get angry, you lose 25% of your, your IQ because the the br uh, your brain loses its blood. It, the blood leaves your brain and goes to your major muscles. Now, when you get in a crucial conversation that's highly emotional and the stakes are high, your brain gets flooded with adrenaline. Think about this. The blood's gone, and now the brain's flooded with adrenaline. Do you think the outcome could be very good? Interestingly, God made us this way. Crucial conversations is the ability to talk openly. Everyone say openly. Safely. Say safely. And honestly. See this key right there. Openly, safely, and honestly about high stakes, emotional, and controversial issues. At the heart of almost all chronic problems in our relationships, our church, our team, and our organization is the ability or the inability to hold crucial conversations involving politically controversial, risky opinions without, look at this, without becoming defensive or angry. Are you here today? By the grace of God, we can do godly, crucial conversations better. I believe that God wants our relationships and our families, this church, the people you associate with, people you connect with, to be stronger. James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Everyone, come on, <laughs> not just the few super spiritual people, everyone should be quick to listen. Come on, click your fingers with me. Come on, quick. Come on, say that. Quick to listen. But you know what we are? We're slow to listen. We're quick to interrupt. We don't even let a sentence come out of someone's mouth. We assume we know what they're going to say, and we just jump right in on top of it. Are you here today? <laughs> the Word of God says, be quick to listen. Just listen. And then it says, slow to speak. Come on, everyone do this with me. Slow to speak. Like, you've got to speak, but just be slow to speak, right? And, and look, one more. Slow to become angry. <laughs> See, a crucial conversation, it's knowing how to stand up to your boss without committing career suicide. <laughs> Some of you are avoiding crucial conversations with your boss. 
because you don't know how to have it. By the grace of God, we can do it. How many crucial conversations are you currently avoiding or having badly? I think about all the relationships over the years of life and ministry, friends, church acquaintances, peers that could have been saved if I understood this as a younger man. I'm sad that I had to wait till 52 to discover a truth. I beg you, if you're underneath my age, grab a hold of it today. Grab the truth. I recommend you read the book. In fact, some churches have taken the whole leadership team through the book. The whole team is working through this book. It's all about, let me go a little bit deeper. Everyone say deeper. deeper. Can we go a bit deeper this morning before, yeah. we, before we close? It's about the pool of meaning. And as it describes it, when you have a conversation with someone, it's about keeping that pool of meaning safe. People become defensive when it's not safe. When it is safe, you can say anything. So imagine we have a conversation. And you're putting into the pool, and then I put into the pool, and you put a bit more in the pool, and suddenly something triggers on the inside of one of us, and it becomes crucial. Now it becomes high stakes. And typically, we go one way or the other. Typically, we either keep forcing meaning into the pool, or we withdraw from the pool. It's, it's called becoming silent or violent. This is what got me. This is where I started the repentance, right here. I have grown up in a Christian home, walked with God all my life, and I thought it was more spiritual to be the silent one. And when I realized that being silent in a crucial conversation is just as abusive as being violent, I started to repent. See, the Bible says be quick to hear, slow to speak, but you still got to speak. <laughs> I thought, well, if I say nothing, then I can't get in trouble. But that's actually abusive. Are you hearing me, silent ones? All you look are so spiritual today. <laughs> See, I'm being vulnerable with you to say, all my life, when it comes to crucial conversations, I've been the silent one. Who else is like that? Put your hand up and give me a, like, be, be honest. Like, just, right up, right up. It's okay. It's not, don't be embarrassed. We can repent. Who, who on the other side of the coin would be the violent ones where it, you're just in, you're... you're now, hang on a second. Hang, <clears throat> hang on a minute. There's a whole stack of you didn't put your hand up at all. You're the liars. You're point number four. Because I'll guarantee you're one or the other or both at times. Again, who are the silent ones? Looking around. Come on, put them up high. Look, yeah. Waving in the front. <laughs> you and me the same, bro. <clears throat> now, who are, the who are the violent ones? I don't, mean, I don't mean physically violent. I mean verbally. You just get into it. Put it up high. Come on, I want to see. Yep. All right, that's a bit better. There is still some that are like, oh, no, I'm just too spiritual. So I've got something for the silent ones. Are you ready for this? This is called kinesthetics. It'll help you remember it. Everyone who has a proclivity to being a little bit silent and withdrawing from the conversation, do this. Stay in the conversation. Come on. Stay in the conversation. And again, come on. Some of the violent ones just want you to hit your face a bit harder. Come on. <laughs> you can never resolve a crucial conversation by being silent. I read this, I read this in the middle of last year. And rather than tell Desma that I'd read it 
and announced to her all the changes, I just started, I just started making the changes. And, and crucial conversations come up. They just, they just do. I don't know if you have many of those. They keep coming up in our house. And, and, and I'm staying in the conversation. And she's going, what are you doing? Like, just keep the conversation going. Don't have to be angry or defensive. Like, let's figure this out. You know what she said to me? Uh, towards the end of last year, and then I eventually told her, I read the book, and said, honey, you'd, you'd enjoy reading it too, you know? Um, She said, what are you doing? I said, honey, I'm learning to stay in this conversation with you. That's what I'm learning to do. I'm learning to work this out, and we can talk this through without becoming angry or defensive. And you know what she said to me around our 32nd anniversary? I was actually overseas. She said, I feel closer to you than I felt in 32 years. I want to say something. Your marriage can improve. Your relationships can improve if you'll learn how to hold crucial conversations in a godly way. So all the silent ones, listen up. Well, I've got something for you. This is what silence means. This is what we're talking about when it comes to crucial conversations. It's purposefully withholding meaning from the pool of dialogue. Like, if we just hold something back, and this is, gonna, this is all just going to go away. Uh, as a means of avoiding potential problems, it's also masking. And now, now all of the violent ones, you, you, can, you can take note of this. It's selectively understating. <laughs> or withdrawing our opinions, like this is not just even given opinion. Uh, it's sugarcoating or vouching or talking about other issues, changing the subjects. We're very good at that, silent ones. It's also avoiding, which is steering completely away from sensitive subjects. We talk without addressing the real issues. And the older you get, the better you get at it. It's also withdrawing, pulling out of the conversation altogether. We either exit the conversation or even exit the room. All the silent ones are beginning to repent. And then, on the other hand, those who are leaning towards violence when it comes... Now, violence is a bit of a strong word, but it rhymes, so it works, okay? <laughs> the violent ones is any verbal strategy that attempts to convince control or compel others to your point of view. See, that's not godly either. By the grace of God, we can stop doing this and we can have godly, crucial... I've got some answers for you in a moment. We're just pointing out what the problem is here. Violence, it violates safety by trying to force meaning into the pool. Like we keep forcing our opinion or our thought or our mindset into that pool. And here's the thing, violent ones. Every time you force meaning into the pool, you are forcing the silent ones to remain silent. And you want to resolve something, but you're not resolving anything because you're just forcing them out of the conversation. It's also name-calling. Uh -huh. You're just such and such. Monologuing, like just hogging the conversation. Making threats. Oh, we got your number, violent ones. It manifests as controlling, labeling, or attacking. Controlling is done by forcing your point of view or dominating the conversation. It's cutting others off or overstating the facts. You know, like speaking in absolutes. You always leave your toenails on the floor. You never pick up your toenails when you cut them. And you're like, honey, I, I pick them up sometimes. No, you never pick them up. 
You, know, you, you ladies know what to do with them, don't you? Get those toenails, pick them up, put them in his clean undies, put them in the drawer. He puts them on next time. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Train him not to do it. Overseeing the facts, changing subjects, come on, using directed questions to control or manipulate the conversation, and all the silent ones are going, amen, amen, amen. I've been in some of those. Controlling consists of coercing others to your way of thinking. It's labeling. It's putting a label on people and, or an idea. Dismiss them under a general category. You're just a truck driver. Or you're just a musician. What would you know? You know? Or you're just a male. What would you know? Oh. Attacking speaks for itself. It includes belittling or threatening. And the question is, which style are you under stress? I'll guarantee you one or the other and sometimes both. The most difficult part of the whole process is monitoring your own behavior while carefully observing others. So I've got something for the violent ones here this morning, a little kinesthetic, all right, you ready? It's this, start softly. You ready with me, come on all the violent ones? Start softly. Like it could escalate, but don't start there. You say, I've gotta get his attention, I've gotta get her attention. Bam, you attack them. Wow, first thing you want to do is become silent. One more time, come on. Start softly. The Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. A, a soft statement turns away wrath. I mean, it's all in the Word of God. How about we live it? What do you think? I, you know, the answer is Jesus. Like, look at Jesus. Go, go to all the red lettering in the Bible. And see what Jesus said. See how he handled crucial conversations. When it was important to talk, he spoke. When it wasn't important to speak, he didn't speak. But he spoke with kindness. He spoke with authority. And there's scriptures that we read in, uh, at, at weddings that I think we should actually read this every day. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Here's the answer right here. Love. The love of God. Think about this. If our conversations were controlled and led by the love of God, we'd have much better crucial conversations. Can we read it together? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Conversations that build up, conversations that produce life. Every word counts. Truthful conversations, speaking God's word, crucial conversations. A word fitly spoken, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, godly conversations. Can we pray? Yeah. Hallelujah. I feel a little bit like the, the first line of the song you unravel me with a melody. 
You surround me with your love. I would say the last six to 12 months, I feel completely unraveled. That's a good place to be. Let God undo some things in our lives that he can redo them and make us more like him. Our goal is every day to be more like Jesus. Father, we just come before you. Would you do this with me? Put your hands out in front of you this morning, just as a sign of openness to the Father. There's something about the exposed palms that's just... Father, we, we come before you with repentance, and we repent of being either silent or violent when it comes to crucial conversations. And we just surrender our life to you again and say, Jesus, we look at you. We look at your face. We look at your character. Help us to be more like you. I thank you, Lord, that by your grace we understand that when we get angry, we lose control of our brain. When, when we get flooded with adrenaline, when, when, when high-stakes conversations occur. But I thank you, Lord, that we don't need to erupt and get upset, Lord, but your love, your peace will flood us. Rather than be flooded with adrenaline and anger and disappointment and frustration, we thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. We keep our hearts and minds in you. That our conversations, Lord, would be pleasing to you. The way that couples and, and, uh, and companies and businesses and relationships resolve problems, Lord, would be done in a godly way in this house and in this city in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for changing our nation, Lord. But you're starting with us. You're starting with our lives. And we surrender to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're full of life now. You're full of passion. That's how He made you. Just let it happen. You're full of life now. You're full of passion. That's how He made you. Just let it happen, and He calls each one of us by our names to come away, and He whispers to your heart to let it go, to be alive, and He whispers to your heart to let it go, to be alive, be alive, be alive, be alive, be alive, come alive, come alive, come alive, come alive. So take me back, back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you. So take me back. Come on, you can sing. Back to the beginning when I was young. Running through the fields with you, so take me back, Jesus. Back to the beginning when I was young. Running through the fields with you, so take me back. 
Back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you, so take me back. Back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you. Think, about to, think back to the time where you first met the Lord. I wasn't running through the fields. I was on my push bike <laughs> with my brother riding all over the streets of Nambour on the Sunshine Coast, out on the windsurfer at Maruchidor in the waves, just, so take me back. I remember the presence of Jesus out there on the windsurfer. See, he's with you all the time. And I, I believe the truth of God's word is here this morning to set people free, not to bind you up, but set you free. I just want us to stay in the presence of God for a minute here. Just, uh, we need to go, just hold on for a second. And I just want to ask, is anyone here today want to make that first decision of committing their life to Christ? This is probably the, the most crucial question you can ever be asked. Friend, do you know Jesus? Have you made him Lord of your life? Have you accepted the power of Jesus to help you in all aspects of life, including your conversations? And those here today that have walked with the Lord for a while, this is our prayer. Take me back. We can't literally go back to our past, but you know what? We can go back to our first love. Lord, that first love that I had for you when I first met you, that experience of your presence and that love, that joy that was in your presence and that joy to know you and to serve you and to tell everyone about your goodness. This morning, I want to ask, does anyone want to commit their lives to Christ? Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you and lead you to the Lord. If that's you today, say yes to him straight away without delay by lifting up your hand just as an indication. Say, I want to receive Jesus. I won't embarrass you. You can stay right where you are. I just want to pray with you. Slip it up right now and say yes to the Lord. Now is a good time to be saved. Now is a good time, friend, to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. Why not? You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. And he'll help you with all aspects of your life. We have the same struggles as everyone else, but Jesus inside of us is helping us to do things like crucial conversations better, to have uh, truthful conversations better. I'm going to ask one more time, from the left to the right, the front to the back, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, slip your hand up right now so we can pray with you. Don't delay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that everyone in this place is walking with you and knows you powerfully and intimately, Lord. If there is anyone that doesn't know you, let them not leave this house without asking and say, hey, I want to meet Jesus. I want, to, I want to know more about giving my life to Christ and surrendering to him. So take me back, back to the beginning when I was young, running through the... Come on, you got fingers? Click them. So take me back. Quick to hear. Back to the beginning when I was young, running through the fields with you, so take me back, back to the beginning. Let's have some harmonies. When I was young, running through the fields with you, so take me back. Singers, come. Back to musicians, come. 
When I was young, running through the fields with you, so take me back, back to the beginning. When I was young, running through the fields with you. We've got, um, we've got a resource table in the back, and many of you have got our music albums this sermon, Godly Conversations, uh, there's more to it than what I shared this morning, is available, especially if you know someone that's not here today that would really benefit from the truth of that word, and I recommend you get the book. We've got it in a pack here uh, with a few other really good sermons. What's new in 2017? We've got a re-release of Worship Encounter 3 album. Uh, where is that? I've got Worship Encounter 3 Deluxe version. Everyone say Deluxe. So it's got extra songs on it. You've got some audio there, Jeff. We'll just crank this up from the, from the laptop here. We've got um, like these really cool remixes. It's, it does have a soundtrack to it. Anyway, it's really good. You've got to play it loud. Um, that's, that's not the one. That's okay. That's all right. That, don't worry about it. It's all fine. So look, look at this, guys. Um, three new sermons and the deluxe release version of the album. That's $85 as a pack, but you can get the same pack on USB for only $50. Come on, tell me. Like, yeah, good deal there. So uh, we've also got a re-release version of the, the Harp album. Who has the Harp CD, by the way? Who's, yeah, many of you got a copy. Who would like a free copy this morning? Right here. Enjoy that. That's an album full of beautiful, anointed harp music. And the same for the uh, Native American flute, um, being re-released here. Who would like a free copy of that? Yeah, there's a sister through there. Would you give it to her? Just with a hand up back through there. Um, and then a free copy of the Worship Encounter 3. I don't know if we can try that one more time. Is that? There it is. Crank it up. Come on, Jeff. Give it to me. Like you want some up-tempo music on the way to work? Here you are. You like that, bro? On the way to school? Yeah? Crank it up loud. So we've got, we've got those three albums uh, as a pack together. Now, it's Mother's Day next week. I guarantee most mothers would enjoy this three-pack, the flute, the harp, and the worship encounter three, uh, put together in one pack. And that's also on USB, cheaper on USB. So come and see us down the back of the resource table. Tonight, tonight, if you know someone... Anyone who's struggling in, in these aspects of their life, we're going to pray for them tonight. We're going to anoint them with oil. We're going to bring some truth of God's Word. This morning was godly conversations. Tomorrow, tonight is godly mindsets. God, help us in our minds. Renew our minds, Lord. And there's some truth from the Word of God. There's some truths that we can take care of in our bodies and supernatural healing from the presence and power of God. Thank you, Pastor James. Good to be with you this morning.